Howdy. This is the Views from the Shot podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today, Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023, I wish you the happiest of National Specially Able Pets Days. Only the best holidays being brought to you on the Views from the Shot podcast. Some were wondering, where's Tim? Where did he go after last week releasing no episodes whatsoever? You may be able to hear it in my voice. I was a little clogged up. It might have been a cough. might have been a cold. might have just been allergies. But I'm back here, and I might be on the IL for a bit, but I'll, I'll push through. Today, very special guest. It's Terrence Dials, former Ohio State men's basketball legend, now on staff with the Buckeyes. Today, we're going to talk about what he's passionate about with the team both on the court and off the court. We'll talk about how involved he is with certain aspects of the men's basketball program. And then toward the end, stick around. We'll talk about what should we be expecting specifically for team 125 moving forward for the 2023-24 season. Terrence Stiles, Director of Professional Development since September 2019 for the Ohio State men's basketball team. 2006 Big Ten Player of the Year. 1,000-point scorer, 14th all-time in team history and points, and fifth in rebounds, and an inductee into the Ohio State Athletics Hall of Fame. Terrence, welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? I feel pretty good. Thank you for having me, man. Um, I listened to the episode that you had with our strength and conditioning coach. Um, I'm excited to be on. Q was fun. He he directly yeah. told me to have you on the show. So whether <laughs> you like it or hate it, it's Q's yeah. fault. So yeah. I will take no blame if it, if it goes poorly. So Terrence, first question, of course, top of mind, mm-hmm. you big 10 player of the year in 2006, incredible success with the program. One of the best in, in men's basketball history. Mm-hmm. If you were on the team today, take me through it. Where would you fall on the rotation? Are you starting over Zed and Felix? Are you at the end of the bench where some may call it the South pole? Where do you fall there? I'm definitely uh, a starter, um, probably playing 30 minutes, 32 minutes. Zeg gets the other eight minutes. Felix doesn't play at all um, as a freshman. Um, probably first team all Big Ten. It's not far-fetched. I was first team all Big Ten, but um, there aren't many players in the Big Ten, and especially on our team, that plays the type of game that I played. I mean, Zed is very similar. Um, but I have a few inches on Zed and uh, Zed, you know, he's, he has a lot of, he has a lot of attributes that I don't have. Like he can shoot probably a little bit better than I can from the three. Um, but I believe at 22, um, which will be my senior year, um, I would lead the team in points, rebounds, blocks, first team on Big Ten, All-American, um, probably get us to the tournament. Very modest. I can appreciate the attitude at least. Do you have these conversations with players like Zed and Felix? Uh, we do you know often. Actually, actually, often. You know, they. You know, I don't play anymore. They try to test me, Zed especially. Um, but we joke around. Um, it's more the other players that's not in the forward position, like a guard, that'll say, "Zed, TD would kill you if he was in his prime," and then Zed will have some type of you know, rebuttal. And then I, that's when I chime in, like Zed, seriously, like you already know the situation. Like, you know, you wouldn't be able to check me. 
Um, but I play one-on-one with them sometimes, you know, as long as it's half court, I can do it. I'm not getting up and down with those young, those young pups. So when you're playing one-on-one, like, let's say you're playing, you're you're just posting up and it's the first one to 10. Who's winning that between you and Zed or you and Felix? Or actually not who's winning, what's the the score? If it's the first one to 10, I probably have to rely on them probably getting to 10 first because I will be gassed by five. So um, they definitely got the endurance and stamina on me right now. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if we can organize something like that. Well, Every first of five, I'm definitely winning that one. First of okay. five, I'm definitely winning. Yeah, perfect. That's good enough. Yeah, we have conversations like this all the time where we spoke with Q last time and he's he's talking about how he might be able to run it up and down uh, with the players and run around the shot. He could do that for sure better than anyone else so yeah Q actually um I think that's how he I remember asking him how he determines the time I guess the time when they have to finish a drill or things like that he told me he does it first so every drill that they do everything that they do conditioning wise he's already done it so that's why that's how he actually creates his time when when certain drills are supposed to finish which is kind of incredible for 40 40-something-year-old man to be in that great of a shape to be able to, you know, set the time for, you know, 18, 19-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. And and it's kind of a similar spot that you're in, right? Like when you can practice what you're preaching, I assume the players have more trust in you and, and they're willing to listen maybe a little bit more than people who may want to direct and not have that experience. Yeah, I think, I think every player kind of, if you go – you know, throughout the history of basketball and then at the highest level as well. Um, having a player giving advice that's actually done it and actually been there, um, been through the been through the trials and tribulations of being a player at the highest level. I think, you know, most ball players kind of listen to those guys a little bit more intently than they do someone else just giving direction. And and let me ask you this too to kind of piggyback off of that. So Technically, your role at Ohio State is not technically a coach, yet you, again, Big Ten Player of the Year, you were a huge part of Ohio State men's basketball when you were with the program. Now you step back, you're not necessarily a coach, but like, what does that relationship look like? Maybe not necessarily the relationship, but the dynamic where you're maybe not necessarily saying, hey, like you schematically or rotation wise you're giving a lot of input necessarily but like what does the dynamic look like with you and the players knowing that you've been there before you're kind of an additional coach I would have to assume yeah uh-huh. um it's pretty good I think I have I think I have the guys here I think initially when Chris when coach Holtman you know first hired me he explained the job he explained the details of what of what's needed and uh he didn't want another basketball coach he you know he specifically wanted someone to help them off the court um and academics and then like community relations and just further in their their scope on life after basketball and that's kind of what I bring um just because I've kind of hit all spectrums like I've played I played at Ohio State I tried to make the NBA didn't make it I went overseas to play played 10 years in Europe um came back and actually got a real job that's not involved in sports I did that sector for a year and a half two years so he wanted someone with a broad, a broad spectrum of, of experience, which is what I have. I have corporate world, I have sports world, you know, I have real life experience. And that's kind of what's been lacking 
um, to prepare student athletes for the next level. Um, I didn't have a person in my position when I was in school to prepare you and kind of let you know what's ahead because the same path that they're following, I've kind of already taken it. You know what I mean? I can't tell them verbatim and every step, like like what's going to happen, but I kind of know a broad, a general, a general scope of like, hey, like you're going to go to this mini camp, you know, they're going to tell you this, you're going to go here, your agent's going to put you over here, like so on and so forth. Um, so I can help them, you know, throughout their journey, whether it's in athletics or, um, you know, in the corporate world or nine to five, you know, because I've done it all. So um, coming into this space, I knew what coach, you know, Holtman was asking for. So basketball wasn't like my main priority when I got the job here. It was like, okay, helping these young helping these young men get to a place where they value the education here because it's going to help them down the line. You know, I always put it like this. I'm like, hey, fellas, like, you know, like everybody's dreams and aspirations are to go pro, right? Like you play this game, you want to be at the, you want to play at the highest level. Well, that's the NBA. It's like 0.003% of college athletes make the NBA, right? So like I use myself as an example because I'm a prime example, you know, of like, hey, I was like first team all Big Ten. I was like our leading scorer, rebounder. Like I was all American and I didn't get drafted, fellas. So like if you're someone who has even less of less accolades and you're thinking you're going to get drafted, like there's some reality that needs to be input in who you are, right? And that's where I come in. And I'm like, hey, fellas, like anything is possible. Could you have get drafted being the sixth person off the bench? Sure. You look at Daquan Cook. Didn't start, you know, right off the bench. He's drafty, right? But that's more on potential. If you're in your fourth year and, you know, you're averaging numbers that's not going to garner NBA positioning, then you need to start looking elsewhere and start to prepare kind of for the next step, uh, whether that's Europe, um, you know, nine to five job, uh, entrepreneurship, like whatever the case is, that's kind of where I'm here to help and and kind of guide you through that. Yeah. And you mentioned a few different areas where you support, obviously with, you know, player development and looking to the next step with players like Bryce Sensenbaugh, EJ Liddell, things like that. You've played overseas for quite a while. You work the nine to five you're helping with community service and, and special projects like that. What part of the role that you're holding right now really makes you tick the most or, or fires you up the most? Like what, what would you say you're most passionate about? Um, it's kind of passionate about a lot of things involving the job, involving what I do. But I think the, the, the biggest one is when they come and seek advice um, for certain um, certain aspects or certain problems that they're kind of having or like hiccups, you know, it's like, Hey, like, how do you get it? Like, you know, Bruce Thornton, you know, he asked me, um, you know, he hit the freshman wall, you know, we all saw, and, you know, he was about a stretch of like three or four weeks. He just wasn't playing his greatest basketball. And, um, you know, he came up to me and asked me, you know, how, you know, if you hit the slump, if you hit a slump, how do you get out of it? Like, how do you like, you know, fight your way through or, you know, fight your through that freshman wall. And it's, you know, like stuff like that. And when, like, when you see, see them, like, take heed to your, you know, advice and they, they get on the other side of that. And it's like, okay. And like Bruce last, you know, 
seven or eight games, six games or so, was playing really well. You know what I mean? So it's like that's the stuff that, like, makes me feel good that, you know, like, there's a lot of times when, you know, you're 18, 19, 20 sometimes, like, now I'm the old head, and it's like, you know, sometimes it's hard for them to listen to me. You know, even though I've been it, you know, everything I've done it already, sometimes it's hard. So um, when I like when I see them listen and they and they actually get successful, become become successful with some of the advice and some of the nuggets that I've dropped is satisfying. So we've we've spoken with Joe Gemma, Joe Gemma before. He mentioned he's essentially the reason why any recruit signs with Ohio State. Hugh, <laughs> he is essentially the reason why Ohio State could have three, four players on the NCAA first team, all thick boys team. Sounds like you, your your hidden talent here with Ohio State is when Bruce Thornton or anyone hits a wall, really it's you. Like get, the player can maybe get some credit, Coach Holtman, yeah, whatever, but you're really the person kind of allowing players to get out of these slumps and find their way back to success. That's that's a fair assessment, right, for you? Fair assessment. This is the first time I've said it on public record, though, so I like to stay behind the scenes with everything that I do. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh they all they all ask like you know what's the the secret sauce you know that the kind is behind here sometimes it's me you know but i don't like to take credit for it and i like to just you know let others take credit for it i've had my time in the in the limelight so i'm back around now yeah no it's it's good again you have the the humble mindset which is great so let me ask you this plan purdue for example zach Eady, michigan hunter dickinson when you're watching those games unfold, you've got to be thinking to yourself, man, like if only this were 2005, Zach Eady wouldn't even be in the paint. Zach Eady would have a 30% field goal percentage against me, right? Like that's got to be frustrating for you for a guy who's been there. Yeah. Um, those games actually are because when we when we play against a good big man, you know, Hunter Dickinson, Eady, you know, last year was Kofi. Um I tried to like I wasn't the most athletic when I played, but I remember like looking at the scouting report and I studied it really hard, watched the film of the of the opponent and I knew their tendencies and I was like a junkie for that and knowing like how to beat a player or how to take away their strengths. And um half of it is is you know, is a mindset, doing your work early, you know, being engaged on the defensive end. Um and you know, some of it is is skill, right? Got to be able to move your feet. Got to be quick. Uh, whatever, whatever the the assignment calls for. But um, there are plenty of times where I'm watching Edie just get two feet in the paint, and he's you know three four feet away, and I'm just like, you know, if you just listen to the game plan and like just push him out, you know, just keep pushing him out before before he has the ball. Then when he actually catches the ball, his field goal percentage drops by 40 50 percent. You know, so like. Those are the those are the things that I try to get our players to do, especially the bigs when we play against some of those guys that uh, demand a lot of attention. Yeah, and obviously you're filling the role that Scooney Penn had. Essentially, again, we we mentioned it. It's not a coaching role, but with all your experience, you have the yeah. ability to be another voice of of wisdom and help pull players yeah. aside within the game. So obviously, I, you may not be crunching film as much as others on the staff, but when it comes mm -hmm. to game time, when there's 12 minutes left in the second half and the Buckeyes are down by four, what are you doing there 
on the bench specifically? I mean, you've got to have your hand at least in some point of the game plan. What's going on? So my so my role during games most of the time is during timeouts. Um, you'll see me talking to different guys from what I see, right? So like I'm giving them uh, some things that can help them when they get back out there. Uh, normally it's a TV timeout, it's like two or three minutes. Um, you get a, you get a good chance to like kind of chop it up with a guy and like, hey, like you're extending too far out, like don't extend. That's how he's getting open, or you know, different you know, different little tactics that can help them, you know, going forward. Um, that's what I, you know, that's the biggest part I play during games. Um, and then, you know, throughout staff meetings, you know, while we're prepping for a team, I'll throw my two cents in, whether they listen or not, you know, that's just, that's kind of up to them. But I always voice my opinion on what I think is going on and how I think we should play a team or, or a particular person. Do you have a, a specific example or anything that comes to mind where from last season or even previous seasons where you saw something and there's a, there's a quick TV timeout and you pull a player aside and say, Hey man, if you just do this, you're going to take advantage of the specific opportunity. Do you have any, any examples like that that come to mind that you're super proud of, or you feel like you really helped in that way? Nothing off the top of my mind. I know there's been a couple instances with Zed on how he um, finishes around the basket. Um, but I don't. I can't think of a specific game. But I just know me and Zed. We have a lot of conversation on how he can be better on the floor. Yeah, for sure. And take me through, kind of switch gears now. Recruiting. It's a huge time of year where Buckeye fans are are starving for any kind of news they can get in the transfer portal. I won't ask yeah. you for anything specifically here, but as you're recruiting, as the program recruits certain players. What does your involvement look like there as players are brought onto campus and things like that? What does that look like for you? So uh, my involvement pre pre before they come, like right before they come is obviously I'm watching the film on specifically in the portal. So now the, uh, how the portal works is like guys throw their names in, we see the names pop up, we gather film on them, we watch them, you know, um, and kind of, you know, each staff member, each 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 coach will kind of give their, like, you know, is, is he good enough? Is he not? Uh, we all voice our opinion on each each recruit that's in the portal. Um, if he passes, you know, all the – we all voice our opinion, but the only opinion that really matters is, is Coach Holman's. You know, he has the, obviously the – it could be seven dudes that like him, and if the coach doesn't like him, he's not coming. Uh, let me get that out there, out the way. But uh, we all voice our opinion. And then once we get them on campuses where I do, you know, that's where, like, for recruiting-wise, that's where I come in because I'm showing, I'm giving tours, I'm with the family, I'm giving them um, kind of information on the school, the program. Um, and as a former former student athlete here, um, I have a, a different perspective than, uh, say, a, a Jack Owens who – you know, it's his first year. He's never played. So he always brings me with him when we have a recruit because I'm able to talk, you know, Ohio State and how great the school is versus, you know, Jack, who's been here just one year. He's still figuring it out. Um, but I'm able to speak on, you know, what, what Ohio State can do for you as a student athlete first and then what they can do for you post your playing career here at Ohio State. And that's probably brings the biggest value for me on these recruiting trips is, you know, how I speak to 
parents and students. And with recruiting, so in your in your past life, between the basketball days, you were in sales. Like, do you take any of the stuff that you learned in the real world and try to apply that to your meetings? Or is it really just you chopping it up with guys and trying to make a connection? And, and if it happens, it happens. What does I that mean? Look that's like? sales. I mean, I mean, that's sales in a, in a nutshell is trying to make that connection that you like, like, like you guys have in common, right? Like, so when I used to go sell medical devices, it was, it was like, you know, I'm making a connection, whether it's a connection with a mutual friend, a mutual doctor, um, even a school, right? Like I find out, a, you know, my doctor went to Penn State, right? So now, like, I know I'm going in there with some Penn State jokes or, you know, some, you know, some, some facts that, you know, I played Penn State. I haven't lost to Penn State ever. You know, like you guys, you know, there's always something that you can, you know, you can rely on when you go speak to people. And it's the same in recruiting, right? If I'm recruiting, if we're recruiting an Ohio kid, you know, like now I'm at the age where like, you know, people my age are having kids. So, I mean, like have kids that's like in college or getting ready to get recruited. Some of them are basketball players. So it's like, you know, I've heard of this person's dad. I know this person's dad. Now we can talk about that. Like we have something in common that we can talk about. And it makes it makes people feel warm. It makes them feel good, you know. Um, but you're still selling the school in the same time, you know. Um, so I think that's my biggest value when it comes to recruiting is being able to talk to uh, the kid and the parents or grandparents or whoever they're uh, you know, guardian is, um, about how great the school is. Yeah. You've got some times where like, you know, kids come on campus with his mom and I find out who his dad is. And I'm like, bro, I played against your dad, like for like five straight years, you know, overseas in Europe or, you know, in high school, we had some battles, you know what I mean? And now the kid's eyes perked up, want to know, you know, what type of player their dad was or whatever the case is. So you always get those, you know, those examples that's coming in. Um, but it's pretty cool when you get, a, when you're able to connect with someone like that. You share a lot of unique traits that you have that if you haven't gotten a raise from coach Holt in a while, I mean, you've, you've got a nice resume that you can take to him. So just FYI on that, just, just have him listen yeah. to the pod and, you know, he'll, make he'll sure hear you, everything he needs. Make, make sure you let him know that the next time you speak to him, you know what I mean? You know, 100%. Yeah. So and we're going to, we're going to continue on the cop, the topic of recruiting here in a second, which I know a lot of fans are really interested in. One thing I want to hear about too, is your involvement with a guy like Bryce Senzenbaugh with a guy like EJ Liddell, Malachi Branham, guys who have recently gone to the draft. You went through that process. You've seen it. Obviously I'm sure it's changed at least somewhat since you were there, but take me through what's your involvement look like with a guy like Bryce Senzenbaugh as he analyzes what's that decision going to look like for him how does that look for you as you interact with Bryce and other players who have been in those situations you know it's a different time now um I think it's less about what I'm able to provide or or, or talk about versus what the agent is saying you know it's um that's the world we're in right now it's like well my agent said this and I'm like okay I get it but like this is kind of how like it really works, you know what I mean? Because a lot of times the agents are telling the kid what he wants to hear. And sometimes, you know, coaching staffs, coach, you know, Coach Holden, Coach D, Coach Owens, they tell them what they need to hear. 
Um, I have not been involved with Bryce's like decision or um, or anything of that nature. You know, my only advice was if you're guaranteed first round, you need to leave. And that's my advice to any kid who is thinking about going <laughs> to the draft. It's like if you're a guaranteed first rounder, specifically lottery, then you should not stay in school. And if, you know, if if they're telling you if the mock drafts, if they have you all over the place, which is some in the case of some student athletes, they have you like two mock drafts have you in the first, two have you in the in the second, and then a third one kind of like, you know, has you in like fringe first, like you're you're it's it's not the best, especially if you're leaving after freshman year. The best idea to me would be to stay, right? Like improve your draft stock where you're guaranteed first round now, or like all 10 mock drafts are like, okay, like a Brandon Miller. Like you look on every mock draft, there's not one where he's maybe a second rounder. They're all first. So like, okay, it makes sense for him to go. Um, it's not the case sometimes. And I get it. Some kids don't like school. Some kids, you know, whatever the case is, um, they all have their reasons for leaving. Um, but my advice would just be, you know, each kid, are, each kid is different. So I'm giving different advice, but um, it's just little nuggets I drop for them when it comes to the draft process and and how they should how they should prepare. Um, like like I think Bryce is in Los Angeles. I just told him I said, man, it's like a six to eight hour grind a day when you're preparing for the draft. Where it's like you're waking up and you got like a four hour workout, whether it's like lifting and you know and basketball. Then you come back, you have you have lunch, and then you go back in the evening for like another three to four hours. So I said, be prepared for like that type of work. You know what I mean? And, you know, I know you're in Los Angeles. You're going to want to see the sun and everything. But like, this isn't the time. You can do that, you know, after you get drafted. You can have plenty of time out in Los Angeles if you want. So it was it was more or less on the focus part. You know, um, some some guys needed more than others. Like Malachi, he's the most mature freshman I've ever met in my life. So there wasn't much I could say that he didn't already know. You know what I mean? On, on how to prepare uh, for the draft. So um, it's almost like your kids, you know, you can't all parent them the same and they all, they all need different type of uh, coaching. Yeah. And I think there's a misconception to fancy players who could go to the draft and people are asking, you know, can Ohio state drum up enough NIL money to keep Bryce and Zamata say there's a much bigger picture. And there's also, there's a flip side of it, right. Where, You've got a player like Bryce Sensabaugh or, or maybe other players in particular who maybe they are going to be a second rounder, maybe they'll be a first rounder. But if you're a lottery pick, you've got so much more guaranteed money. You've got mm -hmm. a much better atmosphere that you're going into most likely in terms of development and investment in the leash that you have. If you're late first round, if you're second round, especially, you're going from playing at Ohio State to playing for the main Red Claws or whatever the Celtics G League team is currently in yeah. a high school stadium or high school gym with 2000 people watching yeah. night, if that. So that's a big yeah. difference too, that I think I would assume that you're sharing with players as they kind of think through this process. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's definitely one of the things that we bring up. Um, you know, EJ was a, he was a prime example of, of someone who was, you know, he has some fringe number, you know, first round picks, but he's more, you know, in the second round, like kind of slated, but that, that was after his junior year. And it's like, okay, you can play lights out your next year. It's no guarantee you're going to be in the first round still because you're 
in that fringe position, you know, like you're a tweener. So, you know, his decision to go um, was based solely on, it's almost like Deshaun Thomas, who was here, who played and like, he, you know, he third year, I think in school, he averaged like 20 a game or something. It's like his ascension essentially wouldn't have been that much higher. Like you, you stay in school with the risk of getting hurt and now your prospects are like completely over and shot, you know, shot for that year. So um, every prospect is different, man. They have to go through different things and their thought process is different. Um, so it's just, you know, we, you know, we've kind of seen the gamut of guys, you know, we've had a guy who had no chance of getting drafted leave. And we had some guys who, you know, were told a higher number and got picked lower. Like, it's just like a big gamut of things. And, you know, the, the draft is so fickle, unless you're like a top 10 guy, you don't know exactly where you're going to fall. Yeah. And I think that's, it's kind of a game of, of guessing and, and hoping, but taking as much of a calculated risk as you can. And that's right. where you come in to help out as well. Now let's talk about heading into this upcoming season. Obviously we don't need to drum up memories of last season. The end of you, you look at the big 10 tournament, the end of the year, it was great. Other than that, we, we want to forget about it, but yeah. you mentioned yourself and you look at the team from last year, just newcomer after newcomer, the roster completely turned on its head. You mentioned you wanted to go out and find some more talent in the transfer portal. To this point, you have. Take me through what this process has been like in the very early part of the offseason, going through the transfer portal, getting some talent, and potentially it seems like looking for some more as well. Well, each after in each offseason, obviously, you know, the staff, we would do an assessment of the team, you know, what we're losing, what we have coming back, and our needs. Um, we thought that we needed to get um, a, a true 4-3-4, four, 4-3. Three, four, four, three. I think we I think we got that with Jamison, who, you know, proven, who's proven in the Big Ten that he can, he can play that position and score and do really well at it. Um, so I think, you know, when you have as young as of a squad, as young as of a team as we have, it's imperative that you get older. Like, and I think, you know, most of college basketball fans kind of understand that now, you know, with the sense, like when you look at the final four and you look at who won a national championship, it's not a whole bunch of freshmen out there. You know what I mean? And um, the key to college basketball and to be successful is to get older. So you want them, and because we're so young with, you know, five freshmen this year, four coming in next year, you want to sprinkle in some veterans, you know, some guys who kind of seen it all in college, want to sprinkle that in there. So that's where Jameson and Dale Bonner come in at, you know, Dale's played for a super highly successful program, right? He hasn't, he hasn't garnered the minutes that he probably wanted maybe, um, but he was in a winning program, a winning culture. He brings that to us. He helps us. Um, he checks that box, right? Like a winner, a guy who, and he's, a, he's an awesome defender, right? So it's going to alleviate Bruce on guarding the best, you know, the best offensive player in the backcourt sometimes. Um, so you want to get guys that move the needle for you. You just don't want to get guys that kind of fill a spot kind of on the, you know, 
We want guys that move the needle, and I think we I think we got better this offseason when it comes to um, the portal, um, addressing some needs that we had. You know, obviously losing Bryce, um, that's 16 points a game that you're you know that you're losing out on, and then losing a guy like Justice, who was like a Swiss Army knife. So I think we addressed it. I think we did pretty good in the portal. Um, now for us, it's about high school recruiting. Like this has been the open period for us to go on the road to evaluate talent. And now it's just like, we're working on like, you know, the class of 24, you know, 25. And it's just like, it never stops from, you know, when it comes to recruiting. Yeah. And I know you can't mention specific players, you know, 23 and, and below at this point. Um, Ohio State obviously offering a, a guard earlier this week, potentially one open spot left on the roster for this season. There have been some players that have kind of mentioned with Ohio State that could potentially join the team. Is that a focus for you, adding another guy in the transfer portal at this point? Are you just kind of feeling things out or like, are you it would have on? To, it would have to make sense. Um, I think, you know, most teams only go eight to nine deep, right? So, like, if you would have to get a player, um, but it, any any player we get at this point is going to cut into other people's minutes. You know, like, it's it's just a matter of a fact. You know, like, it's hard to go 10 deep. You know, even if you look in the playoffs in the NBA, everyone has sh shrunk the roster. You know what I mean? They're, you know, they've shrunk, you know, kind of the rotation. You know, where it's like guys who were playing in the regular season aren't playing as much. And that's kind of where it gets to with us, right? Like you see non-conference schedule, guys are, you know, guys are playing 20 minutes a game. They're getting, you know, and then once the Big Ten comes, that rotation kind of shrinks a little bit. So you have to think about that once you're recruiting um, in the portal. And, you know, guys like Devin Royal, who's the Mr. Basketball, who's going to be our, our foreman, you understand what freshman did last year and you kind of want an older presence there just to help him develop into the player that we know Devin can be. So like having a four man like Jameis in there to help him is going to be awesome. You know what I mean? And then having a guy like Dale who can, who can mold and, and, and challenge our guys in practice um, on the defensive end, who is a ball hawk. It's only going to help Bruce, you know, in the long run, only going to help Roddy. So, we got to get guys that move the needle for us. And I think we did that this off season. Yeah. And then heading into next year, we we've mentioned it before and you mentioned it as well from watching previous years of Ohio state, where you've got players like David Lighty, Aaron Kraft, Daquan cook players who in their freshman year, they come in, they're highly regarded, but they're not getting the minutes. This year was completely different. You see a bunch of freshmen taking a huge, huge portion of the minutes. How yeah. much does that really help them heading into next season? Like, should this be a team that you look at and you say, they've got another year of experience, they're sophomores, but they might as well be juniors at this point? What should well, the expectation be? Yeah, it helps big time. I think, you know, Ohio State basketball, we have to get to a place where, you know, we're prepared for a kid to leave. You know, these last two years, um, if you think about Malachi, he was not on draft boards when he came to Ohio State. He was not, he was not an All-American. He played himself into the draft. Well, when that happens, there's no succession plan in place for 
you losing, you know, an NBA, NBA draft pick, um, especially as a freshman, <clears throat> you know, especially when he's expected to be here, you know, when you make your plans, you're expected him to be here two, three years. If, if Malachi stays, Bryce doesn't become the player he is this, this year, and then Malachi can leave. Now Bryce kind of takes over that role of Malachi the previous year. So it's like a domino effect, um, but we're not able to do that. So this past year we had 10 new faces. You know what I mean? It's like a complete turnover. This next year, it's going to be like seven new faces. And now hopefully it slows down on the turnover because we have more retention. We have, you know, five freshmen this year. One just leaves. Now we got four, four next year. And now it's like we got some retention. And these guys are getting older. They're getting better. And hopefully, you you know, we can make a, a nice run with some older players in the tournament. Yeah, for sure. And then one other question I'm curious about, too, here. You've seen college basketball very, very closely for several years. How has NIL changed Ohio State basketball? How has it changed college basketball in general? What are your overall vibes at this point with NIL? Well, for one, for me being a former collegiate athlete, I am very happy that they have the opportunity to capitalize on NIL. Um, because, you know, that's, it's been, should have happened a long time ago. Wish it would have happened in my class. But anyway, um, with that being said, the NCAA opened it up almost simultaneously with the transfer portal. And it opened up just a whole different can of worms. So the NCAA, they tell you it's not supposed to be a recruiting inducement. You know, like it's just supposed to be, you know, guys and, and girls just making money off who they are. Well, we all know that hasn't been the case, and it won't be the case until they put some parameters around it, which I don't think they're going to do because they'll get sued. So you can go into a dark hole with NIL. But I think NIL has been a positive thing, um, especially for the student-athlete. Um, it's we're not exempt from what's going on in the country. Everyone is experiencing the same, the same issues. You can have a guy who averages 30 minutes a game starter on it, on an elite 18. He transfers, you know, like, it's like, you know what, I'm gonna transfer to another school. You know, you got a guy like, you know, it's a guy up to team up North, you know, he's like an all American and he's like, you know what, you know, hop in the portal. It's free agency at its finest, and you're able to see, like, what you really can garner on a free market. Um, so that's why we want to take care of our guys that we have. We take care of them now. So they're not out, you know, hopping in the portal seeking, you know, seeking some um, instantaneous success with the NIL. We want to take care of our own guys first. And and I think we've done a good job of that. You know, we retained our whole freshman class, and we're trying to continue to do that. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, anything else that you can think of that you want to add in terms of Ohio state basketball at this point, trash talk against other coaches, players, anything like that, that comes to mind. I think, you know, I think we're in a good place. Um, just, you know, this was, I think last year, this past year was an anomaly, right? Like you look at, you look at this, you look at the six, excuse me, can't talk. You look at the success Chris Holtman and staff members have had, you know, the previous six years, you know, whether that's at Ohio State or the previous institution, and you know good things are coming. Um, 
you know, having 10 new faces, I don't know if anyone would have thought we were supposed to be in the final 14, you know, like that's, that's just really hard and difficult to um, create great chemistry in a matter of four months, you know, which is kind of how, how long we had them from the time they got here in the summer to the time season started. So it's kind of hard to create that. Um, and then we, we as a staff, we have to just, you know, we have to look at ourselves, you know, everybody has to do some self-reflection and be like, okay, what can I do better to help this program? And I think we've all done that in this off season. And I think we know what, I think we know what we need to do. Half of it was getting older, right? Like Bruce, he started every game. He's a freshman. You know, it's like it's hard to put so much on a freshman. Roddy Gale, Felix Alpara, like these guys are freshmen. Um, and I think the stat was, I think Duke was the youngest team that played the most freshmen, most minutes, most games started. I think we might have been second. Like, you know, like we're, we're right behind them when it comes to youth. So – Got to get older, and I think you know we're on our you know we're on the path to do that. Yeah, and, and you've done it already simply by freshmen moving up to being sophomores. Obviously, you've got yeah. a, another stellar freshman class coming in, but outside of that, going out in the transfer and getting some some older players as well. So yeah. things seem to be looking up. It's hard not to get excited about next season and the team, especially looking at the schedule. There's going to be some big time games on the calendar. The Big Ten conference you know your opponents there as well too and yeah. doesn't look necessarily horrible so it's hard not to get excited even with you know a, a team that went under 500 last season as well yeah you won't see that again i can tell you that so um, we're working we're, you know working towards successful season this next year looking forward to having you know buckeye nation supporting us because we're going to need it yeah, absolutely. Well, Terrence, we appreciate you being on the show today. It's been phenomenal having you on, hearing your insight on recruiting, your role, transfer portal, all those different things, and, and of course, the expectations upcoming next year. So appreciate you being on the show today. We'd love to have you back anytime you are free. I'm sure you're you're not totally busy 24-7, 365, but whenever you want to chat, hoops, come back. All right, cool. Shop I appreciate you. I appreciate you, too. Thank you yeah. for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. This has been the Views from the Shop podcast. I will shut up before you shut me off. Go Bucks. Go Bucks.